0: following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How
1: about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go, Cowboys!
2: Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for... The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break with Nick Eatman, Brian Broaddus, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. Welcome to uh, the latest
3: edition of The Break. It is Thursday, December 1st, 2022, season 18, episode number 81, presented by Miller Light. Uh, we are, it is the only beer of the Dallas Cowboys today. We're talking Indianapolis defense versus Dallas offense. And uh, we'll we'll get into that. I don't know how much did you guys get through the uh, the indie offense versus Dallas
0: defense yesterday. Did y'all uh, finish it off. It took like thirty seconds to say like <laughs> Jonathan Taylor's good. So Amber didn't go down the list Pittman. of all the great no
1: she all she the great
4: stats and know. all the great she, she
3: handled all the great really well. notes I had that 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 did she, we, I just sent over to you. you just like I don't like she's any of this. won
1: more we awards than anybody in this room. Games. She did that is fact no, that no. is a fact. <laughs> she's
0: done we just did fine. We did
4: some of those stats. We used a little bit.
0: You know, after after Brian kind of said the same thing like twice, it was like it's going to come down to the Cowboys offense more than anything and then yeah. once then we start talking about Jeff Saturday.
3: Yeah. yeah, I heard
1: about that. You know what, that that thing with the Jeff Saturday, I you know, Nick, I, I appreciate letting me bring it up or us talk about it because to me that's listen, there's there's qualified, you know, men and women that do these jobs and they don't do them well enough, you know? I mean, then there's people that kind of figure it out and manage people and, you know, they kind of get everybody organized and, you know, so don't always feel like that NFL people have the right... Yeah, you know, I, I worked in the league 13 years, working in front offices. Nick covered a lot of that. There were a lot of times where Nick walked in there and goes, do you know what the hell you're doing, oh, by right. the way?
0: I would never and, do and, and,
1: and, and And you know what? I looked at him a couple of times and said, you know, you're right. We really don't know what we're doing right now, do we? Yeah. And so, you know, that's the thing about it is if you find... It, it, it all walks of life. It really is. It's all walks of life. You find the most qualified people, yeah, but... Sometimes the most qualified people can't get the job done, you know. And and I I, I think the, I think the Colts could have won all three of these games that Jeff Saturday has been head coach in. If you go back and watch, like I said, I went but, the, Philly, the Philly game, the the Steeler game. I mean, yeah, they mismanaged the Steeler game at the end.
0: But did they lose those games because he doesn't know how to coach? Because he's never been a coach before.
1: No, I, I don't know. I think the, I think the Steeler game hurt because he didn't have an idea. But there's Andy Reid, my my buddy. Andy Reid is one of the most successful coaches in NFL history. He blows game management situations all the time. The yeah. great Bill Parcells had uh, Ray Hanley, who was a running backs coach back in the day in the eighties. That was Ray was his clock management guy. Bill Parcells knows how to finish out games. But he had Ray Hanley there kind of saying, okay, coach, you need to have two more, you know, you'll need two more first downs. You'll need this to happen. You'll need this to happen. You know, I mean, the great ones do need help. And, you know, if th- these games are hard to finish at the end. We all slip there and like, no, oh, man, you gotta call a timeout here, spike it here. No, what are you doing? I mean, all we how about the game it ended in, you know, the playoff game against San Francisco, you know, here, and you run the ball and you're trying to get to the line to spike, and you're like, Why? Why'd you do that? You know, kind of a thing. So, I mean, it's hard. These games are hard to manage at the end. I will say this on the the Jeff Saturday thing.
3: And Nick, you and I had this conversation yesterday. Yes,
0: it's going to be a little bit.
3: (laughs) uh, Are
1: you pro, pro, like, hire the most qualified? Yeah, but
3: but just, just hear me out on this. Because I do think one of the points I made to Nick yesterday was, before Nick was promoted to director of editorial where he is managing all of the written content sure. and the, the topics that we hit on a lot of our shows, if before that happened, if there was somebody, let's say a contractor-type person mm-hmm. that we had in our building who was coming in and just going on air doing a video, right, and and we thought, man, this guy's really good, mm-hmm. he really understands the the content, all that kind of stuff – we're going to promote him to director of editorial, and he's going to be Nick's boss. Hmm. And let's say he had never written a single article in his yeah. life, right? Nick would have some feelings about that, right? Because sure. all these years, Nick has been the person that's been from the time I'd, DallasCowboys.com. I'd well, you no, know, you would not. I'd hide it well. I'd be <laughs> like, time, I'd be professional. From the time DallasCowboys.com <laughs> began. He's been the one that's been up late at night trying to figure out what we're writing and what we're gonna put on the website. And he's been putting in all the work. And then all of a sudden, somebody that came in and did a show for us that we thought yeah. was really good, mm-hmm. now he just jumps into the that seat. I think he would have some feelings about that, right? He would feel yeah. some kind of way about that. And by the way, if you own a company, you have a right to hire who you choose to hire. Sure. Now, that also does, that doesn't that does mean that we can't all have an opinion about it. We right. can all have an opinion. We sure. can't change it. The owner gets to make the decision. Sure. But we can have an opinion about it. And my opinion is that I do think there is something to the person that that's been doing the work All these coaches that spent all those hours, all these years trying to work up to that, that are currently on that coach staff, you can't tell me there's not at least one of them that deserved an opportunity to get an eight-week tryout,
1: right? Well, you had some coaches on that staff like Gus Bradley who did have an actual job. Mm -hmm. He he got to run Jacksonville, and I think they were good for one year of his tenure there. But to me, you know, I... I mean, I, I respect what you're saying. I just don't think like that you could say the most qualified gal or guy can always go in there and get the job done. You know. And I think to have an open mind about maybe having a, taking a different path is kind of the best way to do things. Because you know, if you're saying, okay, because I said this yesterday, you look at what Urban Meyer did and all his college stops. He was a program builder everywhere he went. Uh, Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, Ohio State, all those places. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I wish the Dallas Cowboys would interview Urban Meyer. I wish they would talk to Urban Meyer about this job. Because I thought he was the most qualified guy for the job. In reality, he was actually one of the worst NFL coaches we've ever had. Like everything that you ever saw at Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, and Ohio State, it was like it wasn't even the same guy. So to me, I kind of understand if you want to take a different path because sometimes the most qualified people can't get the job done. Yeah, but I think, I think that's also – I mean that's saying, okay,
3: so in the, in the instances where there's an exception to the rule. So you're saying in most – I don't think in most instances the most qualified person can't do the job. Like I don't. No, no, I'm not gonna, saying that. But, I know. But, but, what, but, but, I'm uh, but what I'm saying is
1: that you to, to just always feel like that the the guy with the and the gal with the best resume is always going to get the job done. I, I think that's. I don't think that's the right way to approach no, no, things. No, no, no. And that's not. I don't think anybody's saying the person with the best resume is going to get the
3: job done. It's saying the person with the best resume has the best chance to get the job done because they have done it, because they have put in the work to get there. That's the point. And they've earned the opportunity because of what they've done on that resume. That's the point. And so when you don't do that, what ends up happening is that's where you start getting into the bigger conversation of, well, if you're not really promoting people who have done the work and have proven that they they deserve the right Mm -hmm. opportunity, then what starts to happen is, now that excludes certain people, and certain people don't never get the opportunity because well, it's, just kind of a, it's just kind of a it's just kind of a I'll hire my buddy kind of thing, yeah. and that never is a good thing in today's society. Sure. That's the problem. Sure, but but look, like I said before. The right of an owner, and, yeah. and the beauty of being able to own your own thing is right. you get to make the call. Yeah.
1: It doesn't mean we don't get to have an opinion about
3: it. And that's just but my opinion. Maybe
1: he didn't feel like the owner didn't feel like that. The, anybody on that staff deserved that opportunity to have a tryout. That, that might be their situation. And they might want to clean house completely when this thing's maybe. all said up. Yeah, maybe. maybe Jeff Saturdays here is doing a favor for the owner. You know, now you get people that come call out and call him out and say, "Well, he hired his drinking buddy and all that." I, I think that's unfair. But you know, the like you said, the owner has the right to put in there he wants. Maybe like you say, he's evaluated his staff and he's looking at these guys and he goes, "None of these guys can keep, teach lions to eat, eat red meat." You know, that kind of thing. I mean, these guys can't coach. You know, it goes, "I don't, I don't know why I have them here." But and to me, I could like I say I don't have a problem with. Always thinking that, to me, always thinking that this is the most qualified person. I understand about, you know, that maybe it gives you the best chance, but that's not always guaranteed. Oh, nothing guaranteed. I mean, but to me, I'm more willing to say, you know, let's try something different here. Let's not not hire Urban Meyer and and then all of a sudden he wrecks our franchise for the next three years. You know, that's the things I would worry about. Were
0: you about to say something? Um, There's a a couple things. I mean, there's – I thought it was kind of – um hypocritical of the whole the whole situation. I think I talked about it with you before, it was that if if the head coach, Frank Reich, was such a problem, um, you know, so they got rid of him, you know, then they bring in a guy, Jeff Saturday, that obviously is going to need to lean on the assistants, but if the assistants were so good to help him, then why was, was Frank Reich the guy that, that was the problem in the first place? So, so the whole thing doesn't really add up that well. But you also made a good point too is like the whole situation they kind of can bypass what the rule is if the interim coach if you don't have to use the Rooney rule to get an interim coach and then when you get an interim coach you don't have to use the Rooney rule again to promote him then you're bypassing the situation that seems that seems unfair to me like like there's a rule for a reason and and they've kind of found a loophole to bypass it if that's what they wanted to well, do well
3: the point is it's it's the spirit of the the rule as well yeah. the spirit of the rule is we're trying to create an environment where everybody can get an equal opportunity. Sure. And this this kind of decision flies in the face of that. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, and, and again, once again, as an owner, you got a right to do what you choose to do. Right. I think the NFL has decided as a league, something like the Rooney Rule is a good thing for business because they want diversity in mm-hmm. their coaching ranks. They think it is a good thing. So if you really think it is a good thing and you think it is something – that you want to get to, having diversity in your coaching ranks, specifically the head coaching position, then you need to abide by your own rule or at least push for uh, teams to do it as, as frequently as possible to make sure you achieve the objective of having diversity in the coaching ranks. And this was not that situation. No. It just that, that It didn't rise to the level of what they're trying to achieve, I don't think.
4: No. Or at least what they're <laughs> stating
3: that they're trying to achieve.
0: Is that on your rundown? That
3: was about, not. <laughs> that okay. was not. But but honestly, I, I think it's a good conversation now. And I love the fact that we can have conversations like yeah. this. Well, we don't have to always agree yeah. on think, everything. It's fine. I, I think
4: th- it's a very very difficult conversation because it can go either way. On one hand, yes, you can agree on the process of how things should be for in order for it to create more opportunities to other people. On the other hand, you can also argue like In today's world, at the same time, you have to abide by so many new things and so many new rules. And then it leads to maybe you not possibly doing what you want to do. Like, you know, if this is what I own, this is mine, this is what I want to do, I have the right to do so. But then again, it goes back to the other thing. Well, at the same time, you got to, you know, go kind of because people, there are a lot of people that, Put in the work, the sweat, the hours, and then never get a chance to really get on to, to the top and show what they can actually do. So I think it's a very complicated topic that has many, many layers to it, and you could definitely argue and give an excuse to either side.
3: Yeah, and that's fair. I think it comes back to if the NFL—again, if the NFL is saying that our stated goal is, is to, to go, create yeah. diversity, mm-hmm. right— and these are all owners that have agreed this Rooney Rule is something that we want to do. If that's what the goal is, then you need to do it to be able to get to the goal, yeah. right? And, and that's my thing. Like Again, owners have a right to do what they choose to do. They have decided in this instance as a group, as a league, mm-hmm. that their stated goal
1: is we want to create diversity. How, be, how much do you base p- p- on people you hire on interviews? Who? When you you interview people... For me? Yeah, for you. How important is that? That's a big part of it. It's not all of it. And by the way, it's different kinds of
3: interviews. Right. Like We we, we just went through a process where we were hiring someone, and we literally had... I literally interviewed the same person four times. Some of that was interviewing them on the technical proficiency. Sure. Some of that was just getting to know them as a person Mm -hmm. and getting to know what their... Kind of how their makeup is. Some of that was getting them in front of other people who are influential in our organization some of that was getting them in front of people who they may be working with mm-hmm. and getting their opinions so uh, it's it's all trying to figure out you know, you try to get as many data points as you can, because let's also be honest. When you're trying to hire somebody, you're only getting their representative. You don't really get the real person. You don't know the real person. See, that's, it's kind of like dating, yeah. right? You kind of have to figure it out as you go, but you're, you're having to make
1: a decent, definitive decision yeah. on whether you're going to hire them or not before you know everything. There's a big problem in this league that guys and gals interview poorly. That's the problem. That's the problem, that guys and gals don't go into, this, into these, some of these jobs in the NFL and don't interview well. And all of a sudden that, you know, people – and you, you sound like to me that and, – and I've worked with you before, so I understand this. You, you know, you, you take the attention to detail to try and get through the interview. A lot of times these front offices will interview somebody, and it's a one-time kind of a thing. Mm. And, or they'll look at, like, oh, this guy told me you need to hire this guy. Or this guy – you need mm-hmm. to hire this gal. And they interview them and they don't come off as a very good interviewer, and then you're all of a sudden—that's what's going on right now in Kansas City with, with Eric Bieniemy. Eric, you, you talk to people around the league; they will tell you Eric Bieniemy does not interview well. You know, now somebody's going to have to make a gut feeling on that, a gut call, and say, "Listen, I don't care about the interview. I don't care Can at all. Team, yeah. Can he coach my team? Can he coach yeah. my team? That's where that's where because see, you 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 just told me how how much detail you put into it." Teams in the front office might not go to the links that you're going to. That but, would be but, a shame, though, too. But, like, but that's but that's yeah. the way this that's that's the way this. And, and I, my only experience is working in the NFL and then working in media. And I know when people when I hear people like, why does this guy not get a job? Like Andy Reid wanted to keep Mike Kafka, who's the offensive coordinator with the Giants. It wasn't he was trying to get rid of Eric Bieniemy. He was like, man, Eric. I could get him. A, I need to get him a job, I need to get him a job. I want to keep this guy, but I want Eric to also be a head coach somewhere, you know. And he doesn't interview well. And now everybody's going like, oh, okay. Well, you know, well, you know, why does he not have a job?
0: Let's Bring this full circle because what kind of what you were talking about giving somebody an opportunity to interview on the fly. What if Dan Campbell didn't interview well? But Dan Campbell got an opportunity six, seven years ago mm-hmm. as a tight ends coach right. to be the head yep. coach. And they did well. They performed well. And all of a sudden, now he gets another chance. And now he's coach at the Lions. Jason Garrett, I doubt he wouldn't interview well. Mm-hmm. But right. he right. got the opportunity when, when uh, uh, Wade Phillips was fired yeah. to interview on the fly. Yep. And I think you know when, when you make that point of somebody, some even if it's a linebacker's coach or whatever, a young guy... Give him that opportunity to interview on the fly. If Eric Beany Bien- Bien- did not interview well, but got to take over and they went six and two in an eight game stretch, mm-hmm. it's like, well, maybe doesn't interview well, but he can get his team. You know, so I kind of see that point yeah. too. I, I know we're all got different opinions there, but but I know Dan Campbell got an opportunity to do that on the fly. Garrett did. There's a lot of coaches that have done it, some good, some bad. You yeah. know, yeah.
3: But, no opportunities matter, and I think that's really the crux of what. All the criticism that I've heard, it's really about opportunity. It's about yeah. was there fair opportunity for everyone in this instance? Who could be more qualified in this instance than just kind of hiring somebody that you just kind of feel comfortable with? Yeah, uh, because that's where you can get into a lot of issues See, that that don't yeah. go toward creating the right kind of diversity that you want.
1: I remember, I remember working in Philadelphia and talking to Jeff Lurie and Joe Banner about Andy Reid. I remember. I mean, I like like it was yesterday, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and again. You know, you talk about things. This is what I know: A, B, C, and D. And then all of a sudden, he comes in and he is prepared. He's ready to go. He's got all the questions covered. He's got his staff. He's got this. He's got all that stuff covered. And and Joe, Joe, and, and Jeff Lurie, they they're like, "And we got to hire this guy. Yeah, we got to hire this guy because again, sometimes you only have that one shot. You know, Andy was never an offensive coordinator or anything like that. It, you know, I mean, he went from being like really a position coach to being a you know, to be in a, a, you know, an NFL head coach. And sometimes you do. Sometimes you just have to be the, just being prepared going in there, I think, goes a long way. And it in these in some of these jobs, people lose because they don't interview well. It's well, just it's 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 sad in that way. It's- I am interested to see how Jeff Jeff Saturday does
3: on this, because, Nick, you brought this point up to me yesterday. He's not the first former player that's wanted to jump right into the head coaching seat uh, for an NFL team. Yeah. We know of some guys who've wanted to do that, and they didn't get that opportunity, but right. they've wanted to do that, right. and I'll be interested because that could, and it happens in the NBA where you got guys who are who are former players that become head coaches, and they don't go through the ranks. They just jump into the head yeah. coach's seat. I do think in basketball it's probably a little bit different, but I do think it happens a lot more over there. It'll be interesting. If Jeff Saturday is successful, we may start to see more. NFL players going directly from playing right into the coach's seat and right into the head coach's seat uh for NFL teams and that so I think for Jeff Saturday and for a lot of of uh, players who want that kind of opportunity this is a real big moment for them because if he has success I guarantee you in a league where they always are looking to emulate what is working somewhere else it will become a trend. Yeah,
0: I'll ask a question in the break just right. I know we got probably got to get to. One yeah, there. and that
3: was not even on my rundown so we <laughs> this whole first segment. No, it's good. Actually, it was really good because I didn't have a good first (laughs) segment. So this is perfect. There we go. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Then we're going to talk about the Indy defense versus the Dallas offense. We'll be back. DallasCowboys.com
2: radio.
0: Back to the break. The Cowboys Christmas Extravaganza is powered by Reliant. It's every Friday and Saturday night through December 17th. It ignites the star in Frisco with an unforgettable holiday performance. It showcases the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, your favorite Cowboys football heroes, and Santa Claus, too. Visit com slash Christmas for more information.
3: Welcome back to the second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at The Star. This segment's presented by Blockchain.com. Blockchain.com. There we go. All right, let's jump in. Sorry. <laughs> Indy defense versus Dallas offense. Brian, what's the best thing this Indy defense does?
1: I think they're not going to let you try. They're not going to let you run the ball like you probably want to run the ball. But that, you know, to me, that's that, that's okay. You'll figure out ways around it here because I think you can throw the ball on these guys. I, I the the player that I would attack would be Stefan Gilmore. Isu, and I know that sounds crazy from back yeah, in the day. Right. That that would be the guy you attack. But he seems like the guy, to me, that struggles the most. He really doesn't really want to get involved. He plays off. He gives space. Uh, he doesn't drive on the ball like he once did. And so, you know, you watch the the games, the last three games that I've seen, that teams have kind of found number 5 on the field. And they've made plays in front of him. They've made plays intermediate on him. They've made plays on him down the field. And he's really kind of not interested in tackling. So you could throw the ball to his side. You could break a run and uh, get some yards after catch uh, throwing after him. There was a time where you wouldn't throw the ball at this guy, but I think he's just trying to kind of hang in there and 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 get going there. I mentioned that about up front, though. DeForest Buckner, number 99, they're going to put him likely over. Uh, he's a defensive tackle. They're likely going to put him over McGovern and just see if McGovern can handle him one-on-one in this football game. And so that will be a little bit of a challenge with what's going on there. Uh, in, uh, Yannick Ngakwe is their best pass rusher. He plays as really as that right defensive end. Uh, you know, he's the guy that you kind of have to worry about in the passing game. The way to beat the Colts, though, is that they will find ways. They don't score enough points on offense. We talked about that yesterday. Put a lot of pressure on their uh, – their, if you, you can score on their defense, uh, find ways to run the ball – uh, you know which will be like I say it'll be a little bit of a difficult task but I feel like you can you can make a little traction i think throwing the ball is going to be a good way to travel in this particular game put up some points on the game on the board this team has hard time scoring points so that would put a lot of pressure that would take them likely out of their running game and then put it all on Matt Ryan so defensively just uh, just kind of be ready for that you know it might be a little bit tough sledding running but i feel like you can make some throws on these guys
0: how different I mean, obviously, when you take out an all-pro player, I mean, it's going to be bad. But they don't have – well, they changed his name. What's, um, the linebacker, Leonard? Yeah. Darius – not Darius Leonard. Shaq Leonard, is yeah. that his name now? Yeah. Shaq Leonard? Yeah. Shout out to the he bros. doesn't play.
1: Nope. He's not in this – yep, he's what? not. Shout-out to the bros. You didn't know
0: his name, but you know – Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. You know his name bros. Is his name Shaq? Shaquille I Leonard? I heard of him changing his name. Uh, he, he's he's, yes. yeah. he's yeah. Shaq. Yeah.
3: Mama call him Darius. I call him Darius. I don't think
0: Mama calls him that anymore. You sure? I, I don't really know. I, I I didn't talk right. to her. Did you talk to him? Guys,
1: they miss him. <laughs> they miss. Uh, they miss. And didn't I didn't play around. I no, think they. Didn't. I think they miss. I, and I, I'll tell you this. I I do. I feel like that they. I think they miss Matt Eberflus too a little bit. You know, with the way the defense is and stuff like that. But this is a. I could say I, I I just kind of feel like that Dallas can protect well enough to make plays and uh, scoring is going to be the key in this one. You you know and, and okay you don't need me to tell you this former NFL scout guy but the points because you could put so much pressure on their offense. You know if you can make them one dimensional, they give up sacks. That's going to be a big thing for them. If they have to sit there and throw the ball a bunch in this game, it's going to be a problem for them. So. That means attacking their defense. That means attacking guys like Gilmore in this game. It means him blocking Ngakwe off the edge and then not letting DeForest Buckner kind of wreck shop in the run game. Make sure you get uh, bodies on him to take care of those things.
4: How are they with like turnovers and getting their hands on the ball? Because if this is a game that... The Cowboys do decide to kind of go on the passing game, throw the ball a little more. I mean, yeah. I think there's chances out there because we've seen it happen with that kind of throwing an interception. Yeah, the,
1: the the games I was watching too with they they created a turnover to start the second half against the Eagles, where Ngakwe came from the backside and, and hammered the ball uh, out of Hertz's hands, and then all all the Colts could do was manage a field goal out of that, and they had the ball in the you know, inside the red zone, inside of Philadelphia and you know, and, and you know, going in and they couldn't really do anything for it. So like I said, if you're gonna throw the ball, if you're gonna throw the ball, which I think you can, just make sure that you you take care of that guy. I you know, as far as the interceptions and stuff like that, you know, I, I was kind of they, they, they were there were some passes and stuff that were knocked down more so but than getting their hands on balls. It was more mm-hmm. pass defense and things like that. Not watching all their games, but the last three games that they played. Uh, But I I just I kind of feel like you can throw the ball on these guys. I mean, I'm not I'm not worried about I'm not worried about the Dak mistake in this game of maybe an interception or something like I am worried about, though, if in fact you don't block their edge rusher who can cause problems in the pocket. Yeah, it's interesting, Brian, because to hear you say
3: that, I actually thought you were going to say the exact opposite, because their numbers kind of paint a little different story. Yeah. So I'll throw, throw out some of the numbers, and I want you to kind of explain a little bit uh-huh. maybe why these numbers may not be the whole story. Right. Um, they don't blitz a lot. Right. They, are 16, uh, they are 16% They drop back, so I think they're at the bottom four of the league when it comes to the amount that they blitz. So right. Not a blitzing team, but... Here's the interesting part. They're 11th in sacks. Right. So they're getting pressure with the front four, not having to send twist, a lot of extra Big guys. twist
1: fronts is what Good. it okay. is, and overload one side on the front. Here's the interesting
3: part. Right now, they are fifth in pass defense. Right now, they only give up, on average, 190.6 yards through the air. They have not allowed a single game this year where a team threw for over 300 yards. They're averaging under 200 yards passing. Why are those numbers
1: not really telling the full story? I don't there? think they've played teams that can throw the football, to be honest with you, though. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that that's that's when you – and especially you go back and you look at – and I I could say the last three games, I'm trying to go back and look at the Jeff Saturday games. And, you know, they fire a coordinator and all that stuff like that. I just know that the teams, when I'm watching, like, the 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 Raiders, the Eagles, I'm watching the the, the Steelers, and, you know – you're, you're talking about teams mm-hmm. that, of that kind of thing. Hurts and Carr, you know. But then pick it, you know, throwing the ball—that's that, a little bit of a like, uh, maybe not so much. But to me, I mean, when I when when you watch those games that I just saw, I was seeing the ball go down the field. I was seeing guys making some plays. I was seeing some catches. I was seeing crossing routes. That—that's why I was picking on Gilmore here because it seemed like every time there was a big play. In this game, for the last three, it was on Gilmore. So I, I'm i kind of into that point right now where, like I say, they're going to try and overload one side and rush. I could see them doing that to Tyler Smith. They're going to say, okay, Tyler Smith, let's see if you can pick up twist stunts. Let's see if you can pick up uh, an overload side coming your way, stuff like that. I, that's what I kind of feel like they're going to try and do because they've done that in these games. But they're going to move their front. And if you could pick up all the movement of the four – That's what you're going to be able to do because it's four drop seven. I think the Cowboys are good enough. I don't think they can cover the Cowboys. I really don't. don't, And I don't think they've played anybody. Now, Philadelphia was that way. Philadelphia's got receivers. But I don't think they've played a team that has receivers like the Cowboys do. Um,
0: You know, when you look at what this game is as as far as uh, Buckner going up against left guard, Connor McGovern, you know, I the Cowboys obviously have a decision to make here at some point with Tyron Smith. Uh, Tyron Smith coming back, sounds like they're going to make the decision. He's going to play left tackle. Then what happens inside? Does does Tyler uh, Smith move in to guard? Could this be a game or a couple of games here where you start to see that a little bit more? Maybe Jason Peters plays some at left tackle. Maybe you get some opportunities for Tyre, uh, Tyler Smith to play guard again. So when Tyron does come back and eases into it, you're also easing – Tyler Smith in there. I mean, obviously you got to win the game. I'm not saying that they're going to just blow him out and all that, but there's opportunities to maybe get Tyler Smith more work at guard. I would, I would look into that, especially if he, if he's going up against a DeForest Buckner and go, yeah. all right, well, you know, the Eagles are going to have some some guys in there too. i um, Jacksonville's got some guys in there, and you know, I mean, let's let's give them a pretty good test. What do yeah, you
1: think? I don't. I mean, I, I totally. You know, I don't know if they necessarily. I think they just want to make the move when they make the move. You know, I think. To me, it was funny because in that game against the Giants, Tyler Smith did not look strong. you know. And now you're starting to wonder, okay, is he to the point now where he's, this is the most games he's played? When you start to talk about preseason, all those snaps, and now the regular season, is he losing a little bit of that power? Is he losing a little bit of that strength? And it might be three games in four in 12 days might be a little bit of a problem there. So I I would I would hope that you know and maybe it's the fact that they were on a short week that he didn't look great. No practice. No. He's also
3: at that part of the year where he's used to the season being wrapping up. Right. No. No. That's what I'm saying. Rookie. Sometimes you always talk
1: about the rookie wall and stuff like that. But I mean, to me, I kind of I kind of feel like that. You know, that you're in a situation where if you're going to make this move, just let him play the tackle spot. He got to play a little bit of of guard. What game was it? The Minnesota game that he got to play a little bit? That's when we kind of first saw what was going on there. Maybe if you can build a little bit of a lead and, you know, and and find a way to kind of move some guys around. But I have a feeling he is going to continue to play left tackle until they get tied. And the plan is to get through this week. And then now we should see next week, you know, uh, uh, Tyron Smith, uh maybe that clock start for him and then get him back going for uh, this for one of these upcoming games. To the point of Buckner, um what is it that he does well? What's his game
3: like and how does that match up against really, the strengths and weaknesses yeah, of McGovern? Yeah
1: he's really long and and you know in that and when you start to talk about the way he comes off the ball, he's not one of these guys that like plays real tall. He's a long guy, and he gets a lot of leverage when he gets pushed. So what happens is he puts you at a disadvantage because his hands get inside of you first. And now he's got you extended, and now you're trying to fight – to get your hands inside on him. He wins a lot of times at the point of attack just because of his length and the power, the upper body power that he has. But, uh, yeah, and he's good. because like I say, the four-man rush and the twist game stuff, you get a big body like that moving, and it makes it a little bit difficult to try and stop him uh, from getting up the field that way. But the length is his biggest thing because he'll extend, and now he's got the blocker controlled, and then he's able to kind of work off that blocker and then go make
3: a play. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about this Cowboys offense, some interesting numbers about uh, this offense since Dak has returned. We'll throw some of those out and have that discussion when we come back. DallasCowboys.com Radio.
2: The season is finally here. For months, we've been gearing up to win. Now it's time for the team that performs on any field, United Ag and Turf. With John Deere Zero Turns for mowing, compact tractors for loading, mini excavators for digging, Gator Utility Vehicles for hauling, implements for grading, hay tools for bailing, United Ag and Turf for winning. Learn more at marines.com. Back to the break.
0: Tis the season for Dallas Cowboys Holiday Youth Camps presented by Invisalign. Registration for one-day football and dance camps are now open. Don't miss your chance to send your athlete to camp at AT AT&T Stadium on December 20th and the 21st. Register today at dallascowboys.com slash academy.
3: Welcome back. It is the final segment of the Break Life from SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're presented by Miller Lite, the only beer of the Dallas Cowboys. Let's talk about Dak Prescott. Listen to some of these numbers. Since Dak's return, the Cowboys have 38.8 points per game. That's first in the NFL. Uh, They have uh, engineered 416.2 yards per game, second in the NFL. They are 57.1% on third downs. That's first in the NFL. They are 84.2% in red zone. That is second in the NFL. They are operating at a level, quite frankly, operating at a level similar to what they were doing last year when they had offensively a really, really great season. But based on the eye test, because I think that's where a lot of the, the conversation is going right now with regards to Dak. Based upon the eye test of what you've seen this season, is Dak really playing this well, or are there other factors that are making Dallas be this efficient offensively?
4: Yes, yeah, so you were saying those uh, numbers. I'm just here raising an eyebrow, then the other, then the other. I'm like, really? Really? How? Because yeah. it, I mean, based on my memory and every, everything that I've seen, and not to say that Dak has been terrible by any means, but I don't think he's been absolutely great and like the number one you know, in the NFL either. So it's very, it is very deceiving to hear those numbers because everything we've watched indicates, you know, the inconsistency. We know that's an issue. Could um Just the missed throws where he hasn't been connecting with the wide receivers, which all in all, I wouldn't put all the blame in Dak. I think it does split half and half on the receivers and him. But it's... I'm curious to hear to hear y'all's well, thought because that's very.
0: They're scoring points. That's that's the thing. They scored 28 points at Lambeau and they lost. Um, yeah. You know, you, you would think you would win that if you yep. go on the road and score 28 points with this defense. But yeah, a, uh,
4: 38 for 38.8 points. points
3: per game since Dax returned. 38.8. Wow.
4: And even then, that's it crazy, feels like it? every game. You know, it's always been low scoring.
3: They've had two 40-point games. I mean, I,
4: okay, since his return, 40, yeah,
0: yeah a 49 yeah. and a 40 and and you know, 20, a couple of 28s and then that 20. I th- I think, you know, that first game against Detroit, I mean, Rust was 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 a problem because they they struggled for yeah. a while and then they finally just kind of pulled away. And look at it now. I mean, Detroit's a pretty good football team. I mean, they're, scrappy they're a football scrappy team, football yeah. team. Uh, you know, but, but I, I just think that, that overall, I mean, they are scoring points. And that's what, when Cooper Rush was the quarterback, the defense was, was winning and, and carrying them. They weren't scoring a lot of points. Now they are, and they're becoming a lot more of a complete team.
1: The eye test tells me he's healthy. The eye test tells me the offensive line has gotten better since week one. And the eye test tells me that they run the football better with the two backs. They've kind of figured that out. Mm -hmm. So the balance has really, really helped him. You know, the one game he lost, you mentioned they scored 28 points, but he throws the ball 46 times. You know, that's that. We've talked about that. That's something that we've always hung our hat on talking about Dak. Don't make him throw the ball 40-something times. Make him throw the ball twenty-eight times. You know, make him throw the ball twenty-five times, twenty-six times. That's that's when his stat line always seems to work out better. He he seems to be more productive. But I think those around him, the receivers are starting to play better. CeeDee Lamb is is by far starting to elevate with all the targets. Gallup's starting to come back around. The young tight ends, you could throw the ball to one of those guys. You could throw the ball to Schultz. You can throw the ball to any tight end, and it works out for him. So offensively, I think that a lot has to do with his health and how he's playing because you're starting to see him run the option. You know, you're seeing him block. You're seeing him kind of get involved with the game. And I always believe that with Dak. When he got involved with the game, he was always going to be a better player. And I think the guys around him, that eye test to me is the guys around him have also elevated their game to help him.
0: But you... I will say this though, he threw it forty six times against the Packers. If he throws it forty five times and I'm taking away third and ten at the ten yard line when you forced it in, if you throw if you run the ball there and kick a field goal and put the Packers down ten points to yeah. nothing, uh with their game plan of we will just want to run, 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 we'll see how how that how long that really goes. They had a chance to maybe take them out of that game plan, which would have played right back into you your put hand. That on the coaches. So put that on the coaches, but also put it on Dak too. You you, you can't throw that there. You gotta yeah. know it's gotta be perfect in that situation. Uh, into the half, uh, two-minute drill. It's got to be perfect for you to just be firing it over the middle there. All all these interceptions are right over the middle of the field. And so I I think that that's something that Kellen and Dak and CD, because it's all of them, have got to get on the same page there. I think that's what's kind of clouding our eye test a little bit is these interceptions at at really – inopportune times, Um, but for the most part, I think, yeah, the offense has been way better and more efficient with him in there.
3: Do you think he is the key to this thing? Because it all came also at a time when, as you just mentioned, Brian, when they started to really figure out their success running the ball and really their offense success is built – Around their ability to use both backs and using Pollard in more of a multi-dimensional role, where they're even getting him out of the backfield and catching more passes. What do you think is more key to the offense's success?
1: I think it's the I think it's the two running backs. I, I know that Pollard had really some really nice games without Zeke being in there, but I think there's something about it. I, I can't remember the last time, and I probably should have looked it up. When's the last time that Pollard had more carries than Zeke in a game when they were both playing? And it happened last week. You know, it happened in that game. It was 18-16. In the Giants game? Yeah. And, and it was weird because yeah. Zeke, Zeke had more yards. And Zeke had more yards. <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah. that you really I, – I think you have to – the key is to have both those guys. I, I really do. Because what happens is it, it's about staying ahead. For Dak, it's about staying ahead in, in the in the chains. And, you know, hell, he made a great throw in that third and 15, to, it, but it took, like, a, a beautiful ball and a great catch by – you know, Schultz. Uh, you know, or uh, in the back of the end zone there in that third and fifteen play. I mean, it was the same play they tried earlier, and and, and you know, we got it. But
0: do you th- do you think that both these guys are top twenty running backs in the league? Top twenty? Yes. If you had to rank them all, yeah. I don't know if either one of them are top ten, but I do. I think they're both top twenty. You're, you're talking about.
1: In the league. Ability? Together? Their ability? Or no, their no, no. I look at them together. No, no, no. I don't no look at them as a ability. part. Well, I look at them as one guy. Well,
0: I, the reason why I say one guy is if you just rank all the running backs in yeah. the league, and we don't watch them yeah. all. Are
3: I we think about ability or are we talking about their actual yards? Like no, I'm talking about just,
0: like, who's the number one back in the league? Who's gotcha. the second okay. back? Who's the top 20? I think they're both top 20 backs. And the reason why I say that and why it's important is what other team... Every single play can hand the ball to a top 20 running back. Because Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, those guys are great, but at some point somebody else comes in and then does their offense change. They always have a top 20 running back running the football, and I think that's important if they use it that way. Yeah, I I would say this.
3: I do think that Tony, if we're just talking about skills and you're matching up against skills of other running backs in the league, I do think he's developed into uh, top 10, like right there at top 10, around 10 or so. I would put him in that category, but I think your point is valid still. I mean, you got two guys that you think are top 20 running backs that are – one of them is always in the backfield. Right. That's, a, that's, that's a valuable
1: – I've taken the, the, the approach, like I said, of looking – to me, they're one back. Yeah. It, they, 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 it's funny. They all, as, if you look at what skills you need to be a really top five running back, you would say the ability to make people miss, to get the extra yards, tough yards, be able to catch the ball and pass block. A complete that, back. Together, those guys are a complete back. Right. That's the way I look. But at it. But what
0: you're saying it really is is exactly the point that I'm making. Is yeah, that they can go to their backup, whoever it is, right. and they don't lose. They anything. don't lose. They it. can yeah. still be
1: every. Pollard. Pollard. That you want. I mean, there's things like okay, Zeke is sometimes explosive, and, and but Pollard sometimes blitz picks up. You know yeah. that that kind of thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying sometimes. So so that's what I'm saying. That that some you know the the deficiency of one is is overcome by the other one you know that yeah. they're like they they cancel each other out in the way of okay this guy can really explode this guy can this guy can get the tough yard this guy can pass block this guy can catch the ball you know yeah. I mean they've got a really good balance with those two guys
3: all right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll uh, wrap this whole thing up, let you know what we think is going to happen this Sunday night, Sunday night football, Cowboys versus Colts. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Brian Broaddus, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio.
2: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club.
3: How
1: about
4: this, Cowboys? Yeah!